Jesus' most personal and powerful teachings are conversations with his disciples in the book of John. Nowhere else is his instruction both so simple and so deep. Take your place in the upper room to hear the heart of God that still speaks today. of the writings of the Apostle Paul, he talks about something that we refer to today as the triad of Christian virtue. The triad of Christian virtue. What is that? These are three items that we need to be pursuing and seeking to live out in our lives so that we may live effectively in this world for the Lord. The triad of Christian virtues. What are they? where they are faith, hope, and love. And what we're going to see this morning is that Jesus is going to draw our attention as he teaches his disciples this amazingly important teaching. He's preparing them for life when he is not literally physically walking with them. He's preparing them for what is to come. And they are confused. They don't understand. They still don't understand that Jesus, the Messiah, must die. Their understanding of Messiah is that he's going to be a great warrior who will destroy the enemies of Israel. But he didn't come to do that. He came to destroy the greatest enemies that we will face as humanity. He came to destroy the power of death and sin in our lives, to set us free, to be disciples that are loved and are able to love in return. Disciples that know the peace and the joy and the power of God. And so we see this triad of Christian virtues, faith, hope, and love. And you see that on the screen this morning. And I want you to think about it as we talk about this today. I want you to think of it as a three-legged stool. If you have just one leg you're not going to be able to rest and sit in the chair. If you have two legs, you can't rest and in the chair and sit in the chair. You need all three legs. You need faith, you need hope, and you need love. It's not just love. It's not just faith. It's not just hope. It's all three. And the Apostle Paul, in almost every letter he writes... He addresses all three of these critical Christian virtues. Jesus addresses it this morning. Faith, hope, and love. If you have your Bibles with you or if you have it on your phone, I'm going to be reading from John chapter 16, beginning in verse 25. I'll go to the end of the chapter. And this will be the conclusion of this series We will pick up on Easter Sunday and embark on a new series the following week, which will connect with all that we've talked about in this series. Because the question becomes, how do I live in this world if Jesus is my king, if he is my Lord, if he is who he claims to be, if he is who we celebrate, how do I worship him? How do I live in this world? How do I live this life? And we'll be talking about that in the weeks to come.
But beginning in verse 25, Jesus continues his teaching. He says, though I have been speaking figuratively, a time is coming when I will no longer use this kind of language, but will tell you plainly about my Father. In that day, you will ask in my name. I'm not saying that I will ask the Father on your behalf. No, the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from the Father. I came from the Father and entered the world. Now I am leaving the world and going back to the Father. Then Jesus' disciples said, Now you are speaking clearly and without figures of speech. Now we can see that you know all things and that you do not even need to have anyone ask you questions. This makes us believe that you came from God. Do you now believe? Jesus asked. A time is coming, and in fact has come, when you will be scattered, each to your own home. You will leave me all alone, yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. I have told you these things, so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Amen. What a great truth. And so let's look at that this morning as we talk together about these three Christian virtues. And as we do, we're in the first two, we're going to kind of look back at our journey these past weeks in this series, and we're going to look at some of the key teachings that we saw there, because it all connects together. Well, we begin with this. The first is love. Jesus says, though I have been speaking figuratively. Now, Danny did a great job last week of helping us to understand what he meant with this phrase. I've been speaking figuratively. So I don't want to go back and say too much, but I want you to see this. He says, a time is coming when I will no longer use this kind of language, but will tell you plainly about my father. What does that mean? Well, Jesus is going to be crucified in just a few hours. Jesus is going to be hung on a cross and he is going to die in our place, which we will remember this morning as we gather around the table of the Lord and we celebrate communion together. But then three days later, as we will celebrate next Sunday, Jesus Christ will rise from the dead. What I wanna say to you is that on the cross, Jesus defeated the power of sin and in the tomb, he defeated the power of death. So that all who believe in him, his victory can be your victory. And if you believe in him, his victory is your victory. But we see that Jesus spent 40 days after the resurrection teaching his disciples. Before he ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. Now, when he ascended into heaven we would receive, on the day, of, it's called the day of Pentecost, we would receive the Holy Spirit. Every Christian, every believer receives the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, one of the roles of the Spirit is to help us to understand the teachings of Jesus. In fact, the Spirit, as we've read in these passages, the Holy Spirit will remind us of everything that Jesus taught. And so we won't we will understand the teachings of Jesus because the Holy Spirit is there to reveal understanding. He is there to help us to rightly understand and then rightly apply the teachings of Scripture. 
And so this is a day that the disciples before Pentecost, they could only long for. They didn't understand the te- a lot of the, the parables and the teachings of Jesus, but we have the Holy Spirit now as we read his word, we receive that truth into ourselves. We keep reading in this passage and we say, we read this, in that day you will ask in my name. We will ask in the name of Jesus. In the context, it has to do with asking him for understanding, asking him for insight. Before I read the word of God, I always ask God by his spirit to open my eyes to see what he wants me to see, that I may understand what he has written, that I may apply it rightly to my life. And so he says, in that day you will ask my name. I am not saying that I will ask the Father on your behalf. Doesn't that sound strange? He said, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm going to ask the Father on your behalf for an answer to that prayer. He says, no. The Father himself loves you because you have loved me. What Jesus is saying is, the Father, our Father God is not aloof, but he is passionate about you. He is passionate about me because I love Jesus The Father loves me as his child. The Father embraces me as his child. And he answers my prayer, not on the basis of Jesus coming and making a request on my behalf. He's answering the prayer, he hears the prayer, and he responds to the prayer because he loves me. Friends, this is the deepest need you have, is to love and to be loved by God. Jesus came, not that you would just go to heaven. He came that you would know the love of God now and forevermore. In fact, Jesus says, remain in my love, live in my love, be empowered by my love, know my love for yourself. I want to ask you this morning, do you know the love of God for you? Do you know the love of the Father? Do you know the love of the Son? Do you know the love of the Spirit? Are you living and remaining in that love? Friends, how is it that we can live well in this world? It's knowing the love of God for ourselves. It's knowing by remaining in the love of Jesus, by loving Jesus, we are receiving the love of the God of the universe. Imagine that. Imagine that. So what do we do to receive, to know this love? We live in that love through prayer, through obedience, through fellowship, through worship together. We read his word and we allow his word not to be a book that we just read, but rather we respond to it and we allow the spirit of God to teach us. Friends, I got to tell you, Every time I go and read his word, I'm seeing new things. I have preached on this series, these passages over the years, but I have never seen a lot of the things that we've talked about because God just continues to teach me. He continues to open my eyes. He continues to open my heart. He continues to feed his child because he loves me and he loves you. Over these past weeks, we have talked about this love of Jesus, this love of God. And I want to remind you very quickly of three things that we've talked about in this series about love. Here's the first one. We are to remain in the love of Jesus. 
Jesus said in, in John 15, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Think about that for a minute. As the Father has loved me, as God the Father has loved me, Jesus says, so have I loved you. I have loved you with the love of God the Father. Now, remain in my love. Why would we not remain in the love of Jesus? It doesn't make sense, does it? Why would we not live in the love of Jesus? This next series, we're going to talk about how we do that. We move on and we see a second thing that we've seen in this series, and that is love for God, love for Jesus is expressed in obedience to him. What is the love language of God? It is our obedience. Why is that? As we talked about, obedience equals trust. I obey one I trust. I, tr I trust that God wants what is best for, the, for his kingdom. Now, in this world, it may not look like the very best for me, but it is the very best that God has to offer. And so I live for him, and I seek to obey him. Why would we not obey him? Why would we not do it? Remember what Jesus said in John 14? If you love me, you will obey my commands. And what did we just see? If I love the Son, I'm loved by who? The Father. So as I love the Son, I'm loved by the Father. How do I love the Son? By obeying what he has commanded me. I read on, and I see that the standard of our love is to be the way that Jesus has loved me. Listen to what it says. A new command I give you, love one another. Now, the old command was that we would love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. That comes from the laws of Moses. And a summary of the laws, of some of the laws, commands of, of Moses, the Ten Commandments, is love my neighbor as I love myself. Jesus said, a new command I give you. We've, writ, uh, we've read this three different times in this series. Jesus said, a new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. The standard by which I am to love is not the standard by which I love myself. The standard by which I am to love you and to love others is the standard by which Jesus loves me. So I want you to think for a moment about just one relationship in your life. It might be with a parent. It might be with a child. It might be with a spouse. It might be with a friend. I want you to think about, it might be with a neighbor. I want you to think about one relationship that you have. It might be with somebody here in the church. And I want to ask you this question. Are you loving that person in the way that Jesus loves you? Now, what does that look like? What well, looks like sacrifice? Are you willing to sacrifice for that person? To give them what, it, what the Lord wants for them in their life. Jesus lays down his life for his children. We are to love one another sacrificially. That is, a, that is a, an incredible challenge for us because most of us, and because of our sinful nature, we're focused on what is best for ourselves. We lay down our lives by giving to others what God wants for them when he has enabled us 
to be the one and called us to be the one who provides. It's marked by being kind. It's marked by humility. Humility, true humility. Can you imagine what would happen in our family context if everybody in the family decided, I'm going to be humble? I'm not going to promote myself or what I want. I'm going to live in humility in this relationship. Can you imagine what could happen? Children, if you want to be married one day and have a great relationship, learn now how to love like Jesus loves. Now is the time to practice this. Patience. Jesus loved us with patience, with gentleness. Jesus loved us with mercy and with grace and faithfulness to everything that he promises. That is the way that we are to love one another. I want to ask you, as you think about that relationship, are you loving them as Jesus loves you? What would it look like for you to begin to love in the way that Jesus loves? Staggering. Extraordinary. It would change the world. The second thing that I want you to see this morning is the word faith. What is faith? Well, love we're pretty comfortable with. Faith is believing what is true about God, what is true about our Lord. It's believing what is right. And because we believe, it leads to every decision that we make in our life. Friends, everything you do ultimately comes out of something you believe. You know those crazy things you do you, afterwards? And I, actually, this happens to me quite a bit, but I'm thinking, what was I thinking? What was I doing? What I've learned to do in my life when I do something that disappoints me, I look back and I try to figure out ultimately what, it, what was it that I believed that led to that point, that led to that moment, that led to that decision. You see... Faith is reflected not just in what I say I believe. It's reflected in how I live my life. Because how I live my life is what truly reflects what I believe. Amen? I can say that I believe in God. My life might not show that. So ultimately, I really don't believe in God. This is why the Bible says, you'll know them by the way they live. You'll know my children by the fruit of their lives. You will know them by the way they love. You will know them by the decisions that they make. So here's what we see. And I just pulled one verse here. Uh, actually, a few verses. Um, and I, I'm going to focus, though, on just one. Know the Father himself loves you because you have loved me, Jesus said, and have believed that I came from God. I came, now this is the verse we're going to focus on. I came from the Father and entered the world. Now I'm leaving the world and going back to the Father. That's the gospel. Then Jesus' disciples said, Now you are speaking clearly and without figures of speech. Now we, we can see that you know all things and that you do not even need to have anyone ask you questions. This makes us believe that you came from God. And Jesus asked them, Do you believe? Do you believe? Do you believe what? Do you believe what he just said is what he's asking. Do you believe? And he says, a time is coming, and in fact has come, when you will be scattered, each to your own home. You will leave me all alone. You say you believe, but when life gets hard, 
You scatter and you run and you hide. You live for yourself. You say you believe, but do you really believe? Now, after the resurrection of Jesus, they really believed. All but one, according to church history, was killed for their faith. They didn't scatter, they didn't run, they didn't hide. They proclaimed the gospel to the world and they suffered willingly for it. They truly believed. And so Jesus then says, yet I am not alone for my Father is with me. I just wanna say, before I come back to this, if you are lonely today, and I know that a lot of people are lonely, Loneliness isn't about just being by yourself. Loneliness can happen in a crowd, can happen in a school, can happen in a workplace, can happen in a home. But you are not alone. God the Father sees all, knows all. He knows everything there is about you. You matter to him. He's not indifferent toward you. You are not alone. And he's waiting for you to open your heart to him and to experience the power of his presence. But here's what I want you to see. Jesus gives us three three statements that I want you to see. First of all, Jesus says, I came from the Father. See, when Jesus says, do you believe? He's hearkening back to what he had just said. He's hearkening back to what he said in verse 28. He says, I came from the Father. What does that mean? He's saying, I am fully God. I am God. I came from the Father. I didn't come from Mary and Joseph. I didn't come from Mary. I came from the Father. That is who I am. You see, Jesus is God in human flesh. Why do we worship? Why do we worship Jesus? Why do we worship the Father? Why do we worship the Son? One God expresses three persons. We worship the Father, we worship the Son, we worship the Spirit, we worship Jesus. Because he is God in human flesh. He came to us as God, but we're going to see in the next statement, he says, I came for the Father, and I entered the world. I came from the Father, I am God, and I entered the world. I came into the world fully human, fully man, fully God, tempted in every way that you and I are, yet without sin. I came into the world. He was born just a little baby. One author was writing, wrote a book uh, about Jesus and, and took some liberties with talking about Jesus to emphasize a point. And he talked about Jesus having pimples. And he was signing books one day at a, at a bookstore and a woman came in and she threw her, the book down on his table and says, my Jesus didn't have pimples. And she said, and he responded, your Jesus was fully human. Just like you and me. He understands. He knows. 
tempted in every way that we are, yet he was without sin. Fully God, fully man. And why does that matter? Because if he was not fully human, his death on the cross would not have accomplished our peace, our freedom, our joy. So he's fully God and fully man. And he came into the world at the bequest of the Father, of God the Father. And God the Father sent him into the world to accomplish God's purpose. What was his purpose? That you and I, that, that he, that Jesus would come, that he would live the perfect life we could not live. And then he who was without sin would take our sin upon himself on the cross as the perfect lamb of God, as the perfect sacrifice. This is why we don't sacrifice animals anymore. This is why we don't sacrifice bulls and doves. We don't sacrifice them because Jesus, Jesus is the one sacrifice once and for all. And then when he had accomplished the purpose of the Father, he ascended into heaven. This is what he means when he says that he entered the world. And then we see the last piece. And he says, now I am leaving the world and I'm going back to the Father. Now I am leaving the world and I'm going back to the Father. And so he ascends into heaven where he sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, having accomplished the purposes that God the Father had sent him into the world to accomplish. Friends, this is the gospel. And so Jesus says to his disciples, and he says to you and me today, he asks you simply this question, do you believe? Do you believe? If you believe, then by faith, live it out in your life. If you believe, then sacrifice. It takes great sacrifice to love as Jesus loves. It takes great sacrifice to be willing to follow him as the first love of your life in this world. But there is no decision you could ever make that would bring greater peace, greater joy, and greater purpose into your life. Do you believe? That is the question of faith. And the answer to that question is to look at your life. Am I following Jesus? Am I loving him? Am I serving him? Am I living the life he called me to live? Am I willing to sacrifice for the sake of his purposes? And then we come to the last. Faith, love, and hope. What is hope? You've heard me say this before, but let me just repeat it. Hope is not wishful thinking. That's what hope means in our world today, but it's not biblical hope. Hope is confidence in the future based on what Jesus has said about the future. That's hope. Hope is what creates in us the ability to endure over time. It is hope that enables us to go through the difficult experiences of this life in this world and continue to live for God and to serve him and to love him and to not be destroyed by the circumstances of life, not be deterred by the circumstances of life. Yes, in pain, yes, suffering, yes, heartache, but still enduring, still faithful, still walking with God. 
That's hope. So what is hope? Listen to what he says. He says, I have told you these things so that in me, in me, Jesus said, you might have peace. In me, not in your circumstances, not in your money, not in people loving you, not in being famous, but in me, you will have peace. And he goes on to say, in this world, you will have trouble. You will have trouble. I, I don't have to convince most of you of that reality. But take heart, <clears throat> he says, but take heart. I have overcome the world. What is he saying? He's saying, he won. He won. When I was living, Beth and I and our family were living in West Michigan, there was a, um, <clears throat> a organization that produced all of these little things that go on your car, bumper stickers. I remember this time, bumper stickers that said, love wins. And a pastor on our staff then produced thousands of these bumper stickers that says, Jesus wins. Friends, here's the reality. I know the end of the story. Jesus wins. I hate to blow it for you if you haven't gotten that far in the book. But Jesus wins. And his victory is my victory. And by faith in Jesus, his victory can be your victory. Friends, I live in this world already knowing the end of the story. And so what I know empowers me. Yes, I'm going through a hard season. Yes, I've lost somebody I dearly love and it's painful. Yes, I've lost my job. Yes, I'm struggling financially. Yes, I'm struggling in my marriage. Yes, I'm struggling with my parents or, or my siblings or my friends or my... But I know this, Jesus won. And so, that's my hope. My hope is in all the promises that Jesus has made. Who's he talking to right now? He's talking to his disciples. What did he say to them? You are going to scatter out of fear. What did he say to them? You will face trouble. Indeed, all 11 but one, all the remaining disciples, Judas had already gone off to hang himself, but the other disciples, all but the apostle John, according to church history, would be martyred for their faith. And none of them ever recanted Jesus. Never. Because they had hope. Their hope was that Jesus had prepared a place for them. Their hope was the peace that they had received and the joy they had received in their Lord. Their hope was that Jesus would never leave them or forsake them. Their hope was in every promise that Jesus had ever made, and that hope empowered them to continue when it seemed like they couldn't continue. How about you? How about you? I remember one time, I don't like, I, I'm not crazy about heights, and I remember one time that um, I, was at a, um, I was at a Christian camp, and they had us hooked up, and we were supposed to run off a cliff and then they would slowly let us down. Well, the guy in front of me, <clears throat> I'll never forget this, he took off, got to the end of the edge of the cliff, and you could see every muscle in his legs just, and he stopped dead in his tracks. 
He must have done that 10 times. So I'm thinking, boy, I don't want to do that. So I start thinking, okay, they have insurance. <laughs> I'm not going where you think I'm going. They have insurance. They wouldn't do this if it was dangerous because it's, they could shut the camp down. And so I thought it through. I thought, ah, this is going to be fun. And so I went and I zoomed off the, off the cliff and that thing just, no. And, <laughs> and slowly came down and it was so much fun. What did I believe? I believed that what they had set up was safe. And so instead of being afraid, instead of hiding, I zoomed off the cliff. Friends, when you know the end of the story and you know that life is in his hands, we don't need to fear even in the midst of fearful human circumstances. We don't need to hide. We don't need to run because we have hope, we have faith, and we have the love of God. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the power of your word. Lord, this has been a series that has just done so much in my own heart, and I'm so grateful, God. You just continue to teach. You continue to teach. You continue to open our eyes. And, and Lord, we just say thank you for that reality. I pray for any here today who are contemplating answering the question of Jesus. Do you believe? Father, open their eyes that they may see what is real. May they see what we see and even more. Father, for those who are lonely today, would you surprise them by showing yourself to them? They're not alone. For those who are going through difficult times and they feel like they've lost their hope, would you remind them, Lord, of the wonderful promises that you have made? And would you hold them close to yourself? Lord, strengthen our faith, strengthen our love, strengthen our hope. And Father, we live in a time that for many of us feels like a time like no other. As we remember this past week, what happened in Nashville, Tennessee, with three precious adults and three precious children that love you, were victims of violence and evil. Lord, we pray for those families. We stand with them as their brothers and sisters in Christ. And we pray, Lord, your peace and your hope and your faith as they go through such a horrible season of life. God, I pray for that church as well and that preschool and all the children and teachers and staff and people in that church that were deeply and profoundly impacted by this evil. Lord, we pray that out of the ashes would come a great victory for the kingdom of God. We pray for our nation in a time of turbulence and a time of uncertainty and a time of struggle. We ask for your peace. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.